We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net, episode number 61. And joining me as always is my main man, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, and the new birthday boy, Michael Focci. Hey, Alex. The Pacers are 1-0 since I've turned 28. They rebounded literally and figuratively against uh, the Brooklyn Nets after... Two rough games against uh, Milwaukee and Houston, so I'm feeling pretty good today. Absolutely. So on today's episode, we're going to recap the last three games. We already recapped the Thunder game on the last episode, so we're going to recap those two losses to Houston and Milwaukee, and then the win, the dominant win, over the Brooklyn Nets. So, Fachi, where do you want to start? Well, I guess we'll start with the the game in Houston. Uh, Oh, the game against Houston. Uh, You know, it was – I thought the Pacers fought hard for given the situation. Brogdon goes down. They were in the game basically, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter and a little bit of the fourth quarter. But when you lose a guy like Brogdon, you're already without Lamb and Turner, uh, obviously Oladipo and Sumner. I mean, it's tough. The bench, I thought, played their best game. They had 58 points. Uh, Everyone shot the ball pretty well off the bench. Uh, But at the same point, come on, you're going up against James Harden and Russell Westbrook. If you're not at full, full strength, it's going to be tough. No, you're exactly right. And I think 
Losing Brogdon, I mean, we were only down by four points after the first quarter, and we, we hung in there tough. We even had the lead, I think, was it to end the third that we had the lead? I mean, the Pacers were just playing really good basketball, moving the ball well, and then that fourth quarter, they just hit a dry spell. Now, they did put Sabonis in for Goga uh, when they were, I think, up like 94 to 88 or something like that. No, maybe not. I don't remember what the score was, but regardless, I apologize. The uh, the Pacers were up when they took Goga out, and they put Leaf or they put Sabonis in for Goga, and it was kind of weird because the Pacers were winning when Goga was in there, and I think they needed his rim protection. Uh, mm-hmm. As crazy as that sounds, and he's a rookie, and he's going to get called for a lot of fouls. His rim protection was huge, and I'll just tell you what Russell Westbrook looked horrible in that game. Yes. Russell yes, Westbrook did. looked like a shell of himself, and. I know that they were debating if they were going to sit him against the Pacers or the Timberwolves. Well, uh, he could have played against Timberwolves because it pretty much felt like he set that entire game. <laughs> yeah, he was 5 of 21, which was just disgusting <laughs> and just classic Westbrook at times, you know, because he, while he got 17, it was a disgusting 17. But when you talk about Goga, Goga was plus 19 in a nine-point loss. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty amazing. His rim protection has been great. I mean, his shot blocking, like we even saw yesterday against Brooklyn, sometimes it looks effortless. So I feel like he has a ton of potential from that standpoint. His offensive game will come. And so I just feel like there were some bright spots, but for a Pacers team that was just so, you know, bitten by injuries, the injury bug, I feel like they fought in that game. That's kind of all you could really ask for. Absolutely, and then they had to come home and play the best team, arguably, in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, a division rival who hadn't played since Wednesday, so they were on two days rest, and the Pacers were coming off a back-to-back against one of the best and fastest-paced teams in the entire NBA, so, I mean, that's a tough one, and then you lose your starting point guard and your backup point guard, and you already have three other guards out, so basically the Pacers were down to one guard, uh, and Aaron Holiday, and then they played Justin at the guard, who's been playing more wing than really, you know, handling the ball. They had to call Mitru Long and Bowen up from, I think they were in Maine. I believe that's where they were at. So they had to fly in to um, in Indianapolis on like three hours sleep. And it was just pretty much all the circumstances. That's why the Pacers got blown out. Now, Miles Turner did return that game against the Milwaukee Bucks, and he had 16 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks. Pretty good Miles Turner game, but. Ultimately, if you look at how the Pacers played on offense, it was pitiful. They were trying to force feed Sabonis the ball. Fache, I know you weren't able to watch this game because you were out at a wedding. So a mm-hmm. lot of this came from they tried to run the offense through Sabonis, and the Bucks were double teaming. Sabonis couldn't finish through Giannis and uh, Brooke Lopez. They were just too big for him down there, which is understandable. You know, basically they started competing because Turner and Sabonis were hitting threes, spreading the floor a little bit. Um, but defensively, you know, I don't think they did too bad on Giannis. I know Giannis still had some monster numbers, but I don't feel like it was just like dominating like he usually does against his opponents. I thought Sabonis and Turner did a pretty good job against him, but in that game, Fachi was just couldn't hit shots. T.J. Warren was dreadful again. I mean, he was so bad in that Rockets game too. I mean, T.J. Warren did not show up those two games, and that's when they really needed him without their two scorers on the backcourt, Brogdon and uh, Lamb. Look, Alex, I tried to watch the highlights for this game, but I'm going to be honest, there really was none from the Pacers' <laughs> standpoint. Uh, it was a rough The Turner game. block? Yeah, it, essentially. Miles Turner was that one bright spot that you could say, hey, at least we got Turner back. And it was a game that 
you really had to throw him out there because the Pacers were just so thin across the board that I, cu- I couldn't even imagine what this game would have been like if he didn't play. Uh, the recipe is not having Sabonis have, make two of his three shots in the game from three. You, that, that should say it all, that he really was not able to impose himself down low. I thought I was proud that the Pacers had 54 rebounds in this game despite that. So they, they hung in there from that standpoint, but shot 32% from the field. That's oh, yeah. That's one of the worst shooting games that I could remember in recent memory for the Pacers. Uh, it was a blowout. It, it was what it was. It was a 19-point loss. Uh, when you mentioned on TJ Warren, I mean, he got his lip busted up the night before against Houston, and then he's just he's in a, a rough shooting stretch right now. He really is. I was I was just going through some of the numbers, and, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty bad lately. Uh, I want to say he's like 13 of 46, I believe, uh, over the last three games. But luckily the Pacers are, as I keep saying, others are saying now, next man up. Someone just yeah. continues to step up against the Bucks. There was, as you mentioned before, it was the perfect storm. They were rested. We had no bodies. We're playing on a back-to-back. Like, there's nothing that the Pacers could do in that game. Milwaukee's a great team. Tip my hat to them, and I look forward when we play them at full strength. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Really, uh, the X factor for me in that game was DiVincenzo. In 24 minutes, he had 14 points. He was 6 of 9 from the field. Giannis was typical, 26, 13, and 6. Uh, Brooke Lopez had a couple timely threes. He was 15, or one timely three that I remember. Uh, he was 15 and 8. And then Bledsoe was 10, 5, and 3. Nothing great there. Their bench was nothing uh, spectacular either. I mean, the Bucks only scored 102 points, which is not an insane amount, but it was just their defense, man. The Bucks' defense was so suffocating. They're long and without shot creators. I mean, your only shot creator really on this team was Aaron Holiday, and Aaron Holiday did not shoot well from the field. Sabonis, here's what I'll say about Sabonis. I love Sabonis. I know you love Sabonis. We are huge Sabonis fans, but when he doesn't have a capable guard to get him involved in the pick and roll mm-hmm. with him or the dribble handoffs it really does stunt his yeah. you know uh not development Definitely. but it it stunts yeah, the his way production he performs. yeah his production there you go i was having a hard time coming up with that word so thank you but uh i got yeah, you I'm, back <laughs> that's what you're here for man so <laughs> anyway it's just one of those things where he needs guys around him to make him better but also make them better i mean if you're trying to go out there and figure out how to run a pick and roll with Justin Holiday and you know there's no spacing on the floor and then you've got Sabonis in the post and they're double teaming him and nobody's cutting what is he supposed to do I mean that's why he was so bad and he got injured in the beginning of the second quarter I believe he hurt his hip mm-hmm. and I think that really did make a difference with how he performed the rest of the night because he, he uh, just he looked was- like he was in pain yeah, and he was questionable for the next game. I remember being like, oh, my God, not another injury. Uh, but, yeah, we held the Bucks 16.5 points below their season average. I mean, that it shows that the guys fought in there. It, but it's just like, like I said, what can you really do in a game like that? Just felt good that the Pacers were able to bounce back against Brooklyn because they really needed one of those performances before you start going down you know, a rough losing streak. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Fachi. So, um, anyway, let's move on to the Milwaukee, or to the Brooklyn game. Excuse me. All these games are running together now, and I'm, I'm going on a little <laughs> sleep, so I apologize. But the Brooklyn Nets game, I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew that Kyrie Irving was out, Karis LeVert was out. 
And obviously Kevin Durant's out, but the Pacers had so many injuries and they looked terrible on Saturday. I was not sure what to expect, but my gosh, Fachi, the way the Pacers came out and played last night, I love it. I loved every second of it. I I loved it. It was one of those games where it just feels like an absolute party. You know, everything was going right our way. The Pacers in the first quarter, it's 18-18. It looks like an ugly game. And they blew the doors off this game in that second quarter. They had 41 points. That's that's the most I remember them scoring in a while also. It's 41-17. to 17. You outscored Brooklyn in that second quarter. And I just thought, you know, there's a, there's a Nets fan who works with me. And he goes, oh, we had no Kyrie. I said, I don't want to hear it. We had about a quarter of our team, you know. So the, the Pacers <laughs> really just stepped up. Numerous guys were having career nights. Aaron Holiday, easily the best game of his career. 24 points, 13 assists. He was even rebounding well with six. Justin Holiday chips in 20. The first brother tandem to ever score 20 in the same game on the same team. I thought that was amazing. Sabonis, a career high bounds. Finished with 18, but Alex, we both know if this game was close, he might have went for 25 rebounds. He pretty much had 18 rebounds in three quarters. I mean, he was averaging six rebounds a quarter, and he had 15, I believe, at the half. Oh, he had like 15 with like seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Maybe I mean, really. it, it, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. <laughs> I remember at one point he was like, I think he was like 0 for 6 or, or 0 for 5, and I was like, Sabonis is on pace for zero points and 32 rebounds tonight. <laughs> Well, it was funny because he had like 11, and then he just got like multiple rebounds in a row, and Kristen Airy was just like, uh, his 12th rebound, his 13th rebound, his 14th yep. rebound. You know, he just kept counting them. And then it was like he set out the last two minutes, I believe, of the second quarter because he pretty much played the entire second yeah. quarter up to that point. So he set like the last two minutes, and then you're thinking, okay, he's got 15 rebounds at the half. He's going to at least break 17, but I wonder if he can get to 20. I'm thinking he can mm-hmm. get five rebounds in the next two quarters. Oh, same. That's what and, I thought. And then it was just like every single time the ball went up, it either went the opposite way or he was defending on the perimeter. So literally he was not in any place to get the rebound. So I was just like, okay, like he's really not going to break his record. Like is this really going to happen yeah. after having 15 in the first half? Like it was just unreal. Ends up getting 18. And he got his fourth foul. The Pacers put him on the bench to start the fourth after he got his fourth foul. I think he played like literally 52 seconds. And he never went back in the game. So uh, probably a smart thing. Uh, I know I wanted him to get 20 rebounds, but probably a smart thing with the hip injury being a little bit of a problem there. Just get him rested. He doesn't play again until Saturday. The Pacers were up by so much. Smart decision by McMillan. But selfishly, I wanted to see him get that 20 rebound game. I really wanted it. I thought he was going to have a 2020 game. But now I want to ask you this. Assuming he stays healthy, is there any doubt in your mind that he sets the Pacers' single-season rebound record this year? What What is it? It's Troy Murphy. It's like the high 700s or like eight, it's like close to 800. And Sabonis right now is on pace for a little over 1,000. Well, yeah, I think he does if he stays healthy. He, he's on pace to, to literally shatter it by he's, 20%. Yeah. Troy Murphy, what a fraud! Okay, I, I, we got we got to get his name out of the record books. <laughs> I mean, that that can't be. And, and Sabonis that, is left-handed, so you know, yeah. and he went and to we a better college. Sorry, Notre Dame fans, but <laughs> we can't have uh, uh, Troy Murphy be our all-time single-season rebounder. Absolutely uh, but not. also, just want to touch about you know on like Nas Nas Mitro Long last yeah. night career game. 
I mean, it's guys like this, as I keep mentioning, with the next man up mentality, Nas played very meaningful minutes. He played 26 minutes yesterday, career-high 12 points. He did it on 5 of 10 shooting. It was just a, a very nice, bright spot to see. I was like, wow, how deep is this Pacers team? You want to know how bad the Nets were last night in that second quarter, Fachi? Tell us. Mitru Long, Justin Holiday, McDermott, Sabona, Sabonis, and Bataze played six minutes and 35 seconds together and outscored the Nets 22-4 to during that second quarter. You want to know who was out there for the Nets? Who? The ghost of DeAndre Jordan and the ghost of Amon Shumpert and a bunch of oh, other scrubs. So all I can say is, you know, the Nets went out and got Amon Shumpert to try to help their death. But let's just be honest. Like, Shumpert had one good steal from Justin Holiday, and that was pretty much the highlight of him being out there. DeAndre Jordan, like, is literally having nightmares when he sees Sabonis come on the floor because – he, he can't do anything. And, I mean, just imagine paying someone that much money that they did this summer and him looking like he did last night. You know, just is such a joke. I mean, the Nets literally have turned themselves into uh, a joke of a team this year. And next year it might be different when Durant's back. You know, you can't say anything bad about Durant. But this team right now, I think Joe Harris might be the most overrated player in the NBA as well. The second he won that three-point contest, everyone just – they gifted him like the top three point shooter. It's like, I mean, he's come fine, on, man. but he's good. He's good, but he, he is what he is. He's a guy that you want to feel like you're playing with LeBron. You know, like have him just wide open. And honestly, watching Shumper yesterday, Alex, he looked like my laundry before I put it in the dryer. He was washed. I'm telling you, <laughs> I had to go for it because Shumper looked oh. like I looked at him. I was like, this is why this guy was not on a team. To start the year. And the Nets, we <laughs> blew by them. We've now won 11 to 12 against them. And I assume they'll get it together at some point. But th- this was a game that I-, I felt good to know hey, the Pacers have a couple days off. Uh, you like that chumper one, don't you? <laughs> That's the best Fachiism you've ever given me. I'm laughing. I'm like, I want to do it so bad. It's so funny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I got plenty on my sleeve, but this, I, I this gotta was hear the some game. more before the show's over. <laughs> this was the one the Pacers had to have before a couple days off. That way, they can get right, get healthy, and you know, feel good about the upcoming schedule. Yeah. All right, Fachi. Well, let's take a break here, real quick. We'll come back and we'll discuss the rotation going forward and make sure these guys can get healthy. I need to recover from you making me laugh so hard. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. All righty, Pacer fans. We are back, and we are reset, and we're going to talk about this rotation a little bit because we know that five of our guards were out. We had to play Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, and Nas Mitru Long basically as our only backcourt options in the last two games and so Fachi I mean Aaron Holiday had a career game last night in Brooklyn uh, Justin Holiday had a career game as well with the Pacers I mean those two looked really good together but you got guys like Edmund Sumner Jeremy Lamb and TJ McConnell that are going to be coming back into the rotation so what do the Pacers do with this problem 
Look, we've seen the leash for Alan Holiday be short at times, but right now that leash has got to grow because this guy is playing with confidence, and I think that it would be detrimental to just yank him from the rotation because you can't right now. He's been playing over 30 minutes a game for the past just about eight games, and I, I think while you can shorten his minutes a bit when Lamb comes back, you can't just remove him overall. Uh, we know how much Nate loves Edmund Sumner, but I feel like this is just a product of like getting hurt at the wrong time because guys yeah. are stepping up, and Justin Holiday is vital to this team. He can he can put, serve any role that's necessary. And a game like yesterday was sure you know we could have won that game if he didn't score twenty, but he was a big part of why we won we won that game and went on a run. I mean, he he was lights out last night. Once he started a little rough, and then he closed that game fantastically. And I, I just think that you know that's a guy where maybe you can snip his minutes a little bit because Lamb needs his. Obviously, when Oladipo comes back, he'll get his. But oof, we got a Nate's got a dilemma on his hands. Yeah, he does. And last night, when being interviewed after the game by Chris Denary, you know, Nate McMillan praised Nas and he and he praised Darren Holiday for their games. But he also said that Justin Holiday has been a huge part of this team's success this year. And he even referred to him as the glue guy. You know who was referred to as the glue guy the last couple of years? Thaddeus Young, team captain. So, yeah, I mean, Justin Holiday has been put in different roles. He's been asked to play the four, asked to play the three, asked to play the two. You know, he does whatever the coaching staff asks of him, and he does a great job at it. I mean, uh, he's he is a role player, so he is what he is for that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he should start, he should do this. No, he is a role player. He should mm-hmm. be in the rotation on the bench, but he's not a guy that you're going to rely upon, but he does so many little things. Similar to T.J. McConnell, he's just a guy that's not going to always show on the stat sheet, but he gives it all he's got every night, and I, I really believe that when Oladipo and when Lamb are healthy, he deserves that spot in the rotation, wherever it may be. Yeah, he really does. I think if you polled 10 Pacer fans that watch the games consistently, all of them would say, it when asked, who's the glue guy on this team? Justin Holiday has to be that guy. Mm-hmm. He's just serve, he just he serves that role that is vital to every team. Every team needs that one veteran guy that will do anything asked of him, can play numerous positions, and has just kind of been there. He's bounced around numerous times. This is probably one of the most consistent roles that he'll have on the team. Uh, There's a lot of times where he's played on teams that weren't winning. Then he's played on teams that won where he wasn't playing, like Golden State. So he's just someone who's been around. I think that if you were to ever take him out of the lineup, it would hurt this team. Now, I don't mean the starting lineup. I just mean the overall rotation. That's someone who's earned their minutes. Well, and I think he's someone that can come in for a Brogdon, come in for an Oladipo, come in for a TJ Warren, and give you something other than scoring. He's going to give you defense. He's been guarding the opponent's best player with our injuries that we've had. When Turner was out, he was playing some of the four off the bench. When when Sumner was in there and Lamb was out, he was playing the two a lot, especially in closing minutes because McMillan didn't trust Sumner at the end of the day. So, uh, to, to finish games in the closeout games just because I think he wanted that experience. And I think, to a fault, McMillan loves guys that have experience in the league. And he he does. He, he seems to just trust in them more. So, mm-hmm. personally, like it's going to be tough because I think that he's going to have his spot. I think McDermott is going to have his spot. I think yes. Goga I think Gogo is up in the air. Uh, but he, he really is. 
I, I think once fully healthy with Oladipo, the only three guys I think are guaranteed minutes off the bench are McDermott, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb. Now you got to figure out where Aaron Holiday fits in, where Edmund Sumner fits in, where McConnell fits in, where Goga fits in, where TJ Leaf uh, fits in, <laughs> where Alize fits in, and where Jakar fits in. So, Fachi, your name McMillan, Oladipo is healthy. What is your bench rotation? Are you going five deep or just four? That's tough because there's a lot of guys that are that are producing. It might not be on a nightly basis, but it seems like every other game, you know, no one's having a consistently bad stretch. I could tell you off the bat, off the bat, where TJ Leaf will fit in on the nice cushy seat towards the end of the bench because I feel like <laughs> that's someone where you know, even last night he grabbed four rebounds in like a three four minute span and he wasn't seen again. And I was wondering why, and I just feel like, look, if that's not going to do it, then clearly Nate doesn't trust TJ as much, and it's just too too much inconsistency between him. So I think he's definitely going to be the guy who's out of the rotation. Goga, I think his, minute, his minutes are going to be very inconsistent. I think some nights when it calls for it, he'll play more. I think some nights he might not, and it's going to frustrate fans because we have seen a lot of bright spots. Well, let me interrupt you real quick because I think one thing I've noticed over the last couple games is the chemistry between Goga and Sabonis. And I think that you're going to see Goga come in for Domas a lot, or they might even go smaller and then bring Goga in to start the second quarter to, to you know come in for miles. But I do think that you're going to start seeing Goga and Sabonis play with that second unit a little bit more if he only goes nine deep. I like it. I like it. It's just, I just don't know who you can really cut out out of the guys that you mentioned because TJ McConnell, I mean, you can't just completely cut him out. He he brings a lot of good stuff to this team to the point where I think it would hurt the team. I think that there's a lot of guys that might just be having their minutes really cut. I think you still need to go five deep on that bench because um, how many teams have five guards that are out right now? I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So what what would you pin down your rotation to be? Let's say let's just go ten deep. That way it's easier to figure out your five bench players. So who would be your five off the bench then, so to speak? Oh, five off the bench, definitely McDermott, um, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday. Okay, well just remember I, Jeremy Lamb is on the bench in this situation. We're oh, assuming oh, Oladipo on, is back. Oh, okay, okay. So then so then off the bench definitely Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday. McDermott, and then I would like Goga to get some minutes. I think Edmund Sumner's the guy who gets the kind of the short end of the stick here. I think so does McConnell then too. So does McConnell. I mean, it's tough. There, there's yeah. a lot of good guys here. I, I I just don't know how you could just go back to then just Aaron Holiday not playing at all. I, I don't. It it seems hard to you know I, I I could fathom it at times, but I mean I don't. I think that's stunting his growth well, to just have him by the bench. Do you feel like Aaron Holiday is a scorer or a facilitator? He's a scorer. Okay, so with that unit, do you need a facilitator or a scorer? Because if you've got a scorer in, in Jeremy Lamb, now McDermott is a three-point sh- shooter, but he also moves out the ball very well. So he's more of a scorer, a guy looking for a shot. I would say Justin Holiday is more of a defensive presence who yes. will – you know, hit the occasional jumper. I mean, he's not an offensive liability, but he's not someone you're running plays for. And then Goga, 
Uh, he can protect the rim. He's raw. He's still young. He's still developing. He's a good passer, though. I mean, I don't know if you saw that pass he made to McDermott against the Rockets on that baseline cut. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a beautiful pass that he made. I mean, he's got such soft touch, yes. but he's also able to protect the rim. So, personally, it, it, it's going to come down to what McMillan wants and how he wants to run that second unit because if he is going to play all five bench guys, McConnell makes more sense for getting other guys involved. He does. He does, and he protects the ball very well. Right. Uh, it, it's just a matter of how are they going to juggle those three point guards between Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, and McConnell. I, I don't know. I feel like this might be times where Aaron Holiday's playing under 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's kind of what I see. I mean, it's it's tough, and you know, there's a possibility that McMillan will only go nine once he gets Oladipo healthy. But mm-hmm. you also got to remember, will Oladipo be on a minutes restriction? So, how I many so. minutes will he play? You know what I mean? So that's that's all big, that's all big factors for the rotation. But but personally, it's like with Jeremy Lamb being a scorer with McDermott. I mean, some people might even say McDermott might be on the outside looking in, and you start Holiday and McConnell together, but. I just, I just don't know. I think, I honestly think that it's going to come down to, um, I think that Justin Holiday might get pushed out of the rotation. I know it's kind of crazy to think, but I think with Lamb in that second unit, he'll take Holiday's Justin Holiday's spot, and you'll have McConnell, McDermott, and Goga, and then I think Aaron will probably play off ball with McConnell. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Holiday is athletic enough and defensive-minded enough that he can play with McConnell, but I also think that it's going to be situational because if the Pacers play a team that's got big guards, then I think there might be nights when you see Justin in for his brother. And I just I just feel like Sumner is the guy uh, on the outside looking in, like you mentioned. Hate to say it, but I, the injury did come at a terrible time. It did. A terrible time. I, I think that he's completely lost his role on this team for now. Uh, I mean, once, especially once Oladipo comes back, I mean, it's going to be so hard for him to come by minutes. Uh, it, it's very unfortunate. Uh, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. He should be back pretty soon. I would think that he should be back maybe next week. They said three weeks. So, yeah, you know, I mean, coming it, back it's going to be a broken hand. He's already got a broke shot. I just, <laughs> I just yeah. don't know what he's going to do. And we love I, I don't. I love it, man. I think yep. it's great. Yep. Uh, a lot of potential. I just, you know, if the Pacers don't make a trade before the before the trade deadline, then they're going to have some unhappy people because they can't play everybody. It's a lot of mouths to feed right now. It's a it's a great problem for a fan, but for these players, they want to play, and it, it, there is not enough opportunities to go around. Just as you were talking about with McDermott. Well, sure, there's there's a couple games where, you know, he might not play well, but there's also been a lot of games where he actually has played well. And yeah. for for McDermott's standards, I mean, he's hitting 43% of his threes right now. He's had some games where he's had numerous games over 15 points, probably about, you know, four, four or five off the bench where mm-hmm. it's been big for this team. I mean, even the Wizards game, that was like his game. Yeah. So That's- it, there's there's times he stepped up. So last night the Pacers scored 41 points in the second quarter against Brooklyn, and I was thinking, man, that's got to be up there for the most points they've scored in a quarter all year long. And then I was like, i got to go back and find this out. And sure enough, they scored 44 against the Wizards in that second quarter. The quarter McDermott went off for 18 points, Mm -hmm. I believe. So, yeah, I mean, the Pacers have had two huge scoring bursts 
in the second quarter, and McDermott has been on the court for both of those games. So, yeah, say what you want about McDermott. I was a little bit lower on him because last year I feel like he was not used properly with the Tyreek Sabonis situation. And now that he's playing with an offense in that second unit, that's all about ball movement and looking to get him the ball. I think he's doing a lot better, and his floor spacing is needed for penetration to the lane. I mean, I I was thinking last night – in the game against the Bucks, they should have played McDermott a little bit more, maybe some at the two, just to give the Pacers some more floor spacing. Because if teams are going to double team Sabonis in the post and there's nobody spreading the floor, then you know other than Miles Turner, you got a problem, mm-hmm. and you need guys to cut like McDermott. McDermott is just a fantastic cutter, uh, arguably the best cutter the Pacers have. Yeah, no, he is. His off-the-ball movement has been great this year. Of all games, that Milwaukee game, he only had two three-pointers attempted. So that was his lowest on the season. So I just kind of feel like, except for one game against Detroit, so I feel like him being active is something that is very important to winning. Um, Also, just a random stat. Now, of course, once they showed this stat, the Pacers didn't back it up. But the Pacers are plus 5.5 going into yesterday uh, in the third quarter. So they're which is second best in the league. So they have been making the halftime adjustments. Uh, I think that that's been great to see. We've seen the Pacers really come out strong in the second half of a lot of games. I think last night was kind of one where we had such a huge second quarter that Brooklyn was sort of fighting for their lives, and they outscored us in the third, but the Pacers came out strong in the fourth. So it's kind of great to see that the Pacers have been able to make some adjustments. All right, Fachi. Well, before we move on to the next segment, is there anything else you wanted to touch upon? No, just I think that this rest, the four days off, is coming at the right time. Pacers don't play again until Saturday. I think that this is an opportunity to get Jeremy Lamb back. I think McConnell will be back. Brogdon, not sure about that. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Brogdon. Those back spasms uh, kept him from traveling with the Pacers yesterday to Brooklyn. He didn't even show up to the game against the Bucks. Um, so, yeah, I just... Got to keep an eye on him, but ultimately I want him healthy. If they can get McConnell back, at least that helps with the point guard rotation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately, Fachi, I just, I'm really excited about the future of this team once they get healthy. Eight and six last year, and now they're eight and six again uh, without Oladipo. So just proven that they can win games, and, you know, they haven't played the greatest competition. I get it. But you play who's on your schedule, you can't control that. Exactly. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All righty, Fachi, that music means that it's time to reveal the fantasy points between the ferocious Fachis, and the galvanizing Golden's Fachi. Last week, a lot of injuries, so let us know what the score was. Well, the ferocious Fachis were just about anything but ferocious last week. Uh, they came out a bit a bit soft. Uh, unfortunately, they only scored 203.5 points, while the galvanizing Golden's came out and scored 317 the Ferocious Fachis are facing some injuries right now. Miles Turner barely played. Um, Jeremy Lamb did not play. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon played about half of the week. Um, and Edmund Sumner did not play at all. 
So the Ferocious Fachis have been taking a hit. So that puts us at on the season. Ferocious Fachis, 796.5 fantasy points. The Galvanizing Goldens, unfortunately, 1,087. Oh, my gosh. I'm over 1,000 points already. Yes. Uh, the season is getting carried away right now from us. Sabonis is eating my team alive. He had more points than half of my team. So oh my it's tough gosh. out here right now. That is fantastic. I love it. This has been such – Fachi, this is why you don't play fantasy basketball, right? I don't play fantasy basketball. There is a lot that happens on a nightly basis. A little too much. That's why I stick to fantasy football. But in this case, this is just another reminder. Eh, maybe this ain't for me. Maybe it's not for you. But you do have great Fachiism, so I will give you that. The Pacers uh, are just a team that's been riddled with injuries all season long. So, honestly, I'm just thankful that I drafted guys that stayed healthy. I mean, Justin Holiday. That's true. Goga Bataze is back. Sabonis, Sabonis has been unbelievable. TJ Leave, TJ McConnell have all been contributing. Uh, it's just it's just crazy. Who else do I have on my team? Who else scored for uh, me? TJ Warren. Oh, yeah. Well, he's been really bad. Well, that's just this week. I know, but I'm saying if you looked at this week and if we counted misses or shot percentage as like a stat against us, I would be losing right now because TJ Warren was so bad last week. He definitely would have taken a hit. Um, (laughs) I mean, in in terms of fantasy, I mean, one of your your second best guy, your third best guy can't really be McDermott. You know, it's just because you got to factor in while scoring counts as half. He's not getting any assists or steals or blocks. Get a couple of rebounds. that's why I didn't mention rebounds, um, <laughs> you know, but there's just a lot that uh, at least I'm getting positive points from a man, Alizé. He had 15 and a half on the week. So, uh, you know, you just got to get healthy. While a lot of people may uh, compare Sabonis and Miles Turner on the court, there is no comparison in fantasy because Sabonis is stat sheet stuffing these days. <laughs> With the assists, yeah. the rebounds, the, the rebounds. points, it has been nuts. I would like to see his total points for fantasy and rebounds compared to actual points scored and, uh, you know, total points, I guess you could say. So I would be fascinated to see the difference between how many more points he has in the rebound category than the points category. But anyway, Fachi, uh, I love doing fantasy basketball with you. It's always a blast. And the Pacers fantasy basketball is going to continue because Oladipo is going to come back eventually. And I've already got a huge lead. So it's just not looking good for you, Foch. It is not. That's why I'm sure you do love doing fantasy basketball with me. <laughs> All right. Well, at least, you know, if I can get my team healthy and go on a run, it's, it's hard when you're playing with a, a bare bones roster, but Hey, the, the best is yet ahead. All right. So do you have a few minutes before you have to go or can we, can we, do we have to end it yep. here? Now I got a couple minutes. If it's okay. just like a couple, I know. I know we're pressing against time. I was late, so uh, anyway, Fachi, as we're closing this podcast, I have to ask you. Uh, I was asked this question on the Dan Dockett show last week, and I and I want to get your thoughts because I, I think that this is a very good question. And is Sabonis worthy of an All Star right now? I said it before when when we had Zach Noble on the show. I do think Sabonis is worthy of on the all-star team if there's an injury or so i think that he's getting that consideration you're talking about a guy who's averaging 
it's about twenty and 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 fourteen. Well, I'm I'm saying like I'm that saying shooting? like I mean, well, this, and he's also has a big Pachi, without without him, you know, being an injury replacement. Do you think he's worthy of making the top twelve for the Eastern Conference? I do think he's worthy of it, but I don't think that he'll get that consideration. Unfortunately. You know, being kind of the Pacers, I think that the one guy, you know, you're looking at like Oladipo, but since he's not playing, I I wouldn't be surprised if they did overlook him, but I do think that he's worthy. Well, okay, so let's just kind of just break it down a little bit and on the top of our heads, look at the Eastern Conference. Who do you think is making mm-hmm. the all-star team above him? Obviously Giannis, so there's one. So definitely Giannis. Embiid. Um, Embiid, for sure. Then uh, Ben Simmons. Hmm. Yeah, he made it last year. I know, I, and it, it, certain guys I feel like tend to to make it. You know, if you make it once, you kind of consistently start to make it. All right, we'll um, pencil him in. I think Jimmy Butler is going to make it. Yeah, Jimmy Butler will make it. Pascal uh, Siakam definitely. Pascal Siakam is a lock to make yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just looking at you know forward six. I've got to have at least he, two or three. Yeah, they they will. Um, I'm looking at forwards right now, and uh, in the East, I'm telling you, it, it's there's there's an opportunity here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There there, there mean, really is. There's there's not that many strong forwards. I think Jason Tatum might make his first All Star game. So let's just pencil in Jason Tatum and Kimba Walker because I think Gordon Hayward's going to be knocked down a little bit with the injury. So there's seven that we have. Sure. So what I was mostly looking at was the forwards. Um, hmm. Because I mean, if you're just going to go with just anyone, I think Bradley Beal might make that All Star game. He's That's averaging it. over thirty right now. Yeah, I guess he can, even though he's on a terrible team. He'll probably get voted. I, in. I, I agree. The, I mean, the team's horrible, yeah. but he's averaging thirty. What about Trey uh, Young? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Trey Young is that one of those guys where it's almost like because they're losing and he's still only in his second year. They might not give it to him if you wanted to go from just a scoring standpoint. Yeah, he's averaging twenty-seven points per game. You know, he, he could make it, but I don't think he makes it yet. What's Blake Griffin doing? Uh let's see. Hmm. Blake Griffin. Uh, I don't know. I don't have him like pulled he's up right now. Nineteen points a game. Uh, five rebounds, six assists. He's only played in two games so far. So, that's nah, yeah. So, Drummond, I mean, there's still plenty of time to go. Drummond is a possibility, but obviously, oh, you, know, you know who else is? Who? Bam Adebayo. He's been playing so good for Miami, and a lot of people are all over him right now. He is, but I, I don't think all star level no. yet. He's playing good. He's playing good, but. But I mean, definitely there's a window of opportunity open. I'm sure we're missing some. I mean, you can probably consider maybe Tobias Harris, Al Horford, if they start turning things around. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else that's like on a great team. Chris Middleton, possibly. Well, Middleton's going to be out for a while. I mean, yeah. he, he could. I think he'll miss about three weeks. And Tobias Harris still never made an all-star. Uh, I don't know if this will be the year. I think that people may be Al Horford while he's valuable. I, I, I think we're finally past all-star Al Horford. Yeah. 
I, I really do think that the opportunity is there for Sabonis. Vucevic is another guy that made it last year that could be. He'll be in the running. Yep. Yeah, he'll so be in the I, running. I think Sabonis is in the running, definitely. I'll be excited to see what he does. But, I mean, if he's averaging 15 rebounds a game and close to 20 points, that's going to be hard to not put him in there. It, it is. I think the big thing is going to come down to winning. We've seen in the past – the NBA likes to reward winning, uh, but that, that tends to you know be more on the injury replacement side, where you tend to look at a team and say, "Hey, you know who can who can represent that team?" We saw that with Goran Dragic a couple of years ago, but Sabonis actually has the numbers to back it up right now. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a small sample size, but there's a lot of room to improve for Sabonis too. I mean, if he continues to knock down three point shots at a consistent rate and gets the assist up a little bit more and just starts playing with better talent around him, I think that you're going to see an uptick in statistics because he's just been that fantastic. And, you know, Miles Turner came back. He looked pretty good. They didn't look too bad together. But uh, it was funny that the Pacers' biggest runs were when one of the other was on the bench. And uh, it's just – Yeah. I don't want to keep, you know – Talking about those two and if they can play together or not, I think it's pretty obvious how we both feel. But we we need to give it time, and we need to let these two give us more of a larger sample size before we start making fake trade ideas and doing all that fun stuff and deciding what the Pacers should do, I mean, in our minds. But I, I think that it just looks to me that the offense looks better when they're both on the court separately. I agree. I agree. And I believe that they still have a positive uh, plus minus on the court together, um, which is obviously great to see. But at the same point, I feel like Sabonis isn't truly Sabonis when Miles Turner is on the court. And I feel like a lot of times then we're seeing Miles Turner way far out by the three point line at times. And sure, he's a good shooter. He is. But I I feel like they're not truly themselves when they're both on the court together. Yeah, and here's what I'm going to say. If anybody wants to harp on Turner's post game, I get it. It's frustrating that he doesn't have it a post game, but I think at this point, you have to just accept it for what it is. He's never going to have a post game. He's never going to be a post player. He is a finesse player. Period. Yeah. He's not a banger. He's not a guy that's going to go down there and try to do two or three spin moves and bang and try to create separation like Sabonis. I mean, that's just not his game, and so. You know, we can try to make Miles Turner and ask for Miles Turner to be something he's not, but it's never going to happen. So, you know, I, I like the fact that he's shooting the ball well. I like that he's a 41% three-point shooter for his career. He is a great shot blocker. Yes, he does really good things, and I think that it'd be silly to say that he's not a good basketball player, but the fit is something that is still in the works. It's still a work in progress. It's still something we need to see more of, and I think the Pacers front office probably feels the same way. They do, and the sample size is so small right now. If you just looked at a sheer number standpoint, Miles Turner is having one of the better years of his career, if not maybe the best. Uh, I just feel that there's still you don't want him to be an exact clone of Sabonis. I mean, sure, that would kind of be cool if they're both rebounding at 14 rebounds a game and you know 20 points per game each. But they bring different things to the table. We saw Miles Turner. Kind of a very unique skill set. Last year, he was almost the first player ever to average over two blocks and shoot over 40% from three. So he just missed out on that. It's unique. you know. So I think that yeah. you have to play to his strengths, and I think that he brings a lot of great things to the table. Absolutely. So, Fachi, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? 
Yeah, let's go Pacers. Alrighty, everybody. We will talk to you all next week. Make sure you follow Fachi on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. I'm at AlexGoldenNBA. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3, but please follow us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. So, and until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.